Bonjour and bienvenue Lulabelle's Francophiles, je m'appelle Lou, and in this podcast, I will help you to keep your Frenchy vibes fluttering and help you to lose yourself in France without even leaving home. Now, today is episode 89, and it is an extra special episode as we are kicking off season three of the Lulabelle's Francophiles podcast. I never actually imagined in 2020 when I started chatting about our French experiences with guests who live in Australia, in France, and right around the world, that this podcast would today be heard in over 80 countries with so many thousands of listeners. So I want to send out a huge merci beaucoup to all of you who have tuned in to share in my love of France. Francophilers can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, Francophile Fix, where I'll post little movies and clips to keep us all connected to France. Find the link to the Francophile Fix YouTube channel in the show notes from today's episode, as well as the Little Bells Francophiles website, Instagram, and a fabulous Frenchy Spotify playlist. Alors, aujourd'hui, my guest is a woman who has a passion for food and France in equal measure, it seems. Natalie Mueller is the owner of Olive Catering, but she has just recently sold up her house and is following her dreams to live and work in France. So bienvenue to Little Bells Francophiles, Natalie. Ça va? Oui, oui, à toi. Thank you very much for having me. It's very exciting, Lou. I've been loving to hear lots of the stories of lots of people that you've been interviewing. Oh, I'm thrilled that you've enjoyed that. So, Natalie, you, though, your story today is fascinating to me because you're currently in Rockhampton but have made the decision to relocate to France. For those international Francophiles, Rockhampton is in Queensland in the northeastern part of Australia. So moving from there to France, how exciting. Tell me how that decision came about. Well, um, I've been one of those dreamers who's always had the dream to move to France. Um, I've been fortunate enough to actually live in Europe at some points in my life, predominantly in Germany, which was meant to be France because I was meant to fall in love with the Frenchman, but I married the German. <laughs> so instead of doing the, the German, the German story, which was wonderful. But I think also I've been. I ended up working in a restaurant at thirteen. I was introduced to pâté and lots of beautiful French foods back as a young, younger child. And that couple encouraged me to study business in hotel management, oh. um, which meant there was a placement and which I knew I could do overseas. And I think that was kind of the draw card, which it had. I headed to a, a, a hotel called Chewton Glen mm-hmm. in New Milton in Hampshire, a one-star Michelin restaurant um, at the age of 20. And oh. I think... Everything about that was French. It was the restaurant managers were French, the wine sommeliers I got to, the chefs were French. I was totally immersed in a little world of France and it really concreted for me my passion. There are so many things in France that help us keep connected to the place and the way you talk about the food. I mean, there's also the language, the people's surroundings, but, you know, the food. I can't get past the food. You've been working with food for years and clearly that was a brilliant start for you. Tell me a bit about your food journey since then. Well, I actually was predominantly front of house, but um, oh. after working in that hotel, I was a uh, restaurant hostess, which was a fantastic position. But each morning I'd have to go into the chef who only spoke to me in French. Uh-huh. He refused to speak in English. He was a wonderful man, but he wanted me to learn. Yeah. So I had to translate each day. My job was to translate the menu from French to English for the guests for the, uh-huh. for the, in the hotel and to see Michelin-style food. And, yes. yeah, it was, it was absolutely fantastic. 
I had the French boyfriend, we would head over to Paris on our days off. So it was all about food and mm. You know, we even got to eat in the in the back doors of kitchens of beautiful restaurants back in those days, which now I appreciate even more than yes. at the time. So, but I think I always, instead of reading novels, I always read cookbooks. And when I travelled, I took my cookbooks. So I went to Italy, I'd take my cookbooks. And so it was always, you know, something that I just naturally fell in love with and wanted to do all the time. And it's always part of my daily life. And that's what I think the French, that's where the connection comes in that I I love that passion for, you know, what are we going to eat today? Who are we going to eat it with and where is it coming from? Yeah. And you clearly have that passion as well. I mean, it's just it's so lovely to hear you even talk about all of that there. You paint such a fabulous picture of, of where you've been and now where you're going. So will your business continue to operate while you're away or is this a move of careers as well as? homes and countries? Oh, so I'm actually self-taught. Um, mm. So I've gone from back of house to front of house, but my catering company now is just hitting its 20th year. Yeah. Um, and we run functions. I do balls for 1,200 people and mm-hmm. I have no trouble being in the kitchen doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, but amazingly, I'm already booked out this year. So the vision is to maintain the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I have weddings. So if I do the first two and a half months in France, mm-hmm. Then I'll come back. I have weddings, corporate events, race days, um, March, April, May. Mm -hmm. And then I plan to be back in France, June, July, hopefully at that stage running my first food tours (gasps) and cooking experiences. Then I'll return this year back uh, September, October, November um, because we have this amazing event in Rockhampton called Beef Week. Oh, and I've seen that on your Instagram. <laughs> yes, we feed thousands of people each day and it's a fabulous, fabulous event and that would be uh, 24. So I'm sort of building my life around being in France, being back, continuing with my business as it's a fantastic business that I've taken that long to, to get to. Mm. But, yeah, the cooking, uh, the cookery experiences is the dream side and that will eventually take over more and more. So Yeah. So are you fluent in French now after all of that experience with the chef and your other times in France? Not at all. <gasps> really? I can go to the markets, I can go shopping, I can read recipes. Um, I'm fluent in German. It's something that I've got to get onto. Um, my best friend Corinne, she's a French teacher, but it's yeah, I haven't managed to get it to a great level yet, but um, it's absolutely on the cards. <laughs> well, you'll be much improved after spending two and a half months in France now. Yes. That'll make a huge difference for you. So you're actually leaving this week, which is so exciting. What are the yes. plans as soon as you get there? Are you heading straight to Paris? Straight into Paris. I think we'll be heading to Bon Marché first. Ah. You know, I just call it the um, David Jones Food Hall on steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Exactly right. Oh, that's they such a great description. It's the best kept secret for truffles. If you want to try truffles, go to the Le Truff little stand food stall in Bon Marche and you have uh, access to as much truffle oil and truffle balsamic and you have truffle butter and and it's, you you can sit and have lunch or have a little snack, a truffle pasta or something. So, yeah, we'll certainly probably head straight. We arrive at 7 in the morning. We will head uh, straight to Saint Germain Mm -hmm. and then, yeah, we'll be out for lunch for sure. Fabulous. Yes, I I like doing that. You get there, you hit the ground running. I must admit, I don't really get jet lag 
going over there. It's coming back to Australia. It's something about travelling the wrong way around the world, the wrong way around the time zones, that it just doesn't agree with me. So I take that as a sign that I should just stay there, really, just stay. You know, once you get there, just stay. So I hope you're ready for the cold because it was bitter when I was there before Christmas. And then I heard that since Christmas, bizarrely, it's been unseasonably warm, so much so that there isn't enough snow in the ski resorts. So who knows what it will be like for you. All I know is it's going to be colder than here in Queensland where you are at the moment in the middle of summer. And we are looking forward to that because we are having 36-degree days here. So my daughter and I were both saying, oh, my goodness, we cannot wait to get there and walk around in air conditioning, you know. Yes. (laughs) I must admit, I just love the cold. And when I was leaving Strasbourg and it was minus 11 and it had been minus 13 overnight, (laughs) oh, I actually didn't find that that bad. Like I really, maybe I'm a bit strange, but I really loved it. No bad weather, only bad clothing. (laughs) Oh, yes. Actually, that's a good point. Yes. and You just have to wear the right outfits absolutely. and you have no problem. Two to fade. And I always say that you can always put more clothes on. There are only so many that you should take off. So yes. that's why cold weather is You only forget you. your gloves the first couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> I wear two yes. pairs of gloves. I'm a little, bit of a, a little bit of a ninny about that. So have you got any business arrangements lined up for when you get there? Any plans for the future? Apart from your, well, so you, I you, I have you, destinations that I will be um, speaking and looking into. So um, looking at a couple of different chateaus. So mm-hmm. my business model is to a purchase a property for myself to live in, mm-hmm. which I won't do until next year. Mm-hmm. But my plan is to rent uh, a couple of different chateaus where the courses will be held. So I'm looking for ten bedroom, ten bathroom with a commercial kitchen um, in areas that I know quite well, Mm -hmm. then I plan the programs around that area. So I want to be interviewing the chateau owner. I want to have a look at the chateaus. Then I want to go to the restaurants. Once I've decided, then I'll book in the restaurant bookings, book in the little tours, et cetera. So Mm. that's sort of the little business side that I will do. And I'm I'm still very torn between Dordogne and Provence. Mm -hmm. Um, So I may end up doing both those areas, I think. Oh, I love both those areas. Both so gorgeous. So is the idea for you with those tours for people just to come and do a a couple of cooking days or is it like for a week and you do a full tour and immersion in that area? I've done lots of research and I've had lots of planning um, going on for years as to how I would do that. I've looked at five-day programs, um, but more recently, two nights ago, someone gave me a Bon Voyage party and they said, would you consider doing two or three-day cooking experiences as well? If they're not absolute cooking fans, then they'd like to still try, but they don't want to feel that they do it for that long. So that's certainly going to be out of my little marketing proposals to um, suss that out. But basically, you'd sort of arrive Sunday evening, canapes on the lawn, set the program up for the week, dinner. Then Monday morning we'll head to the markets, we'll go have a look what shopping we need for what we're going to be cooking. Each day we'll have a different program. Each afternoon we'll have a, a little tour that you can take or not take. Mm. And, again, every night will be canapes in the lawn and then a, lo- a lovely dinner of some kind. We'll have guest chefs coming in, guests, different um, food vendors, wine sommeliers. I've got fantastic contacts from my previous years of hotel work. Mm. You know, Sabina Hahn, there's some really amazing ones that I've been in contact who are very happy to come and do a lovely afternoon sounds wine tasting. Fabulous. So, oh, it yeah. sounds brilliant. Tell me, what's the thing you are most looking forward to when you get to Paris? I think this journey's been a very long time coming. 
it's been a dream for a long, long time. So I think that the first thing I will do is just breathe in Paris. I will get there and just take in the moment and go, wow, this is finally you can really do this. You know, this is the opportunity now. Yep, take it all in. So. Yay, I'm so excited for you. It's going to be wonderful. I can't believe it myself. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned before the Dordogne and also Provence. Do you have a favourite region of France? Um, So I love the medievalness of Salat. And um, that region is particularly, I just came across it by accident. I was living in Germany for a year and my father and my sister had a house in Sri Lanka and they used to do house swaps. And so they were in these beautiful cottages in the Dordogne in um, a little village called Chateau La Aubrielle, right near La- the Lascaux Caves. Mm-hmm. And my mother got ill and my father's sitting there by himself and I thought, you know what, I'm going to pack up and I'll head over to him. Mm-hmm. And we got there and I just fell in love. Like mm-hmm. it's the very old stone cottages, mm-hmm. there's truffles, it's foie gras, it's walnuts. It, and it, it really to me was, you know, I mean, obviously the Lascaux Caves are there. It was the beginning of time there, you know. Yeah. You could just yeah. feel it, the abbeys, the churches. It was incredible experience. So, It is a beautiful area, that area. In fact, my husband Paul and I, we did a road trip around that area in the summer of 2022, just last year. Oh, it was hot. It was so hot in the middle of the year. But you know, there were so many beautiful places to go and sit in the middle of a forest or in other cool places to cool down. It was really lovely, even though it was so hot. And I've been there in other seasons as well, and it's just extraordinary. The history. You can do the, can, do the canoeing on the Dordogne Yes, river. yes. You head along and there's chateau after chateau yes. everywhere and you start picnic on the bank and yeah, yeah it's I loved it from the look out at Dom looking down at the canoes on the on the Dordogne River it's just exquisite such a lovely lovely area oh you'll love it there of course yeah it's it is it's beautiful and the forest you know the forest is probably a true attraction there and and I guess the fruit trees and I know that in Australia we're so vast but something like a fig tree for us you know the figs are just flying around everywhere and then down in Gord in you know in province then you've got them everywhere as well yes. the figs and the olives and um, all of those tree uh, trees it's, yeah actually that was a thing when I stayed in a and b down in Gord the host of the B&B he actually said to us he take these figs with you we've got too many and so we took them with us the next day and that night in Gord we ended up just sitting on the edge of the cliff or the edge of the mountain in Gord, just looking out over the whole valley. And we had this gorgeous dinner of a chevre that we got at the local markets fresh that morning, a baguette and the fresh figs that have come off this man's tree. And all of the Michelin stars and all of the other meals we've had in France. And one of my favourite moments is just sitting there on a fold-out chair on the side of the mountain eating fresh figs from a tree. Mine out of a plastic cup. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I loved it. It was just such a – those memories memories are great. Yeah. Yeah. And the abundance of uh, fruit in that circumstance when you have to make jam from them, you have to make, you know, do all your meals with that and it's a seasonality of that. So – you know, the asparagus will come through and everything you're doing is about asparagus. Oh, and then the, yes. the apricots come in or the mirabellas, the little cute yes. baby apricots oh, they yes, have I in France. Those. And mirabellas, yeah, they're gorgeous, you know. So I think yeah. that abundance of the produce and the, their connection to produce is extremely strong. I mean, yes. I, I'm very lucky here. I have some fantastic farmers that I've been working with for a long time, but I felt that in Salat even 
we were there for three weeks, but by the end I knew who the baker was, I knew where I was getting my chickens from, I knew that that guy had that and who had the best this. And and I just feel that connection is truly uh, amazing. And and storeholders are always just so welcoming yes. and friendly and they love that you love their produce and, yeah. you know, that it doesn't matter who you are, they're still passionate with their, with their food. It's wonderful to be able to be there immersed in all of that. And for the people that come over and do those courses with you, they are going to have such beautiful lifetime memories from engaging in something like that. It stays with you. Some of those places, they just don't leave you, do they? You know, once you've been there, I do. I just feel it in my body. I always think when I get to France, I just feel different. It's just something about it. Oh, no, I get you. I get it. Yeah, no, I get it. (laughs) It's, It's lovely. It's, it's really tricky to see because there's so many beautiful spots. So I also love Epinay. The very first time actually we were in Paris and it was freezing and my sister had come and I'd been there in the summer and told her how it was beautiful and all the little ducks in the ponds and, mm. well, they'd all flown south and everything was frozen and just like freezing. I said, okay, let's get on a train. We'll go to Champagne. Let's go to Champagne. Oh, so yes. we got on this train and we knew, pardon? Yes, I know. I'm with you. Yes, go to it Champagne. It was late at night and we got there and we got off in this little dark town and looked up and there looked like one little hotel and it was open and we knocked on the door and um, they, the lady let us in and we said, you know, go in Chambra, you know, so she got us a, a, a room and we got in there and it was like grandma's feather bed, this beautiful big old bed and oh. it was a really old building and we woke up in the morning and went downstairs and she had the hot chocolate for us and the croissants and you know, oh. we were just like, we just couldn't believe that we woke up and it had snowed. Like, oh. you just got to wake up, you look out the window, and after you'd had, you know, a bit of a dark night. And yeah, we were so lucky because we went into mowing, we did the tour, and the guy sort of said, Hands up if you're Australian. And we all went, Yeah. And he said, Because you're the only crazy ones who travel in winter. Yes. I'm like, yes. So we did the really good tour with him. And as I said, you know, I'd, I'd been working in that hotel in England and had a beautiful experience with all the champagnes. Anyway, so we did the tour with Moe and they give you champagne at the end. And so then my sister and I went next door to Perrier-Jouet. Mm. And Perrier-Jouet is also beautiful. And the girl just said to us, you've just done the tour next door, haven't you? We said, She said yes. So my boyfriend just broke up with me. We're drinking champagne. <laughs> so she just put a beautiful Perrier-Jouet oh, bottle and we're sitting there drinking it with her. So, oh. yeah, it was Special, well, special moments. That I, I was supposed to celebrate my fiftieth birthday in the Champagne region with all of my girlfriends that I went to school with, and we were all going over together. But COVID hit, so we didn't get to do it. So I am really looking forward to getting back there at some stage soon, so I can actually immerse myself in that Champagne region because it's fascinating. Yeah, no, it is in the Royal Hotel Champagne. That's also an exquisite place. But yeah, there's just it's bountiful there, and there's loads of little Champagne houses that we've never heard of as well so that's also magnificent to yeah. visit yeah. actually i did interview the delectables cynthia kutu and her whole business focuses on women winemakers in champagne yes i'm gonna try and catch her in paris yes yeah she's just lovely she's, just she's lovely. fantastic cynthia kutu she is just a wealth of knowledge about champagne just amazing and the mm. whole women in wine thing is just fantastic. Isn't it like, wonderful? You just go, great, good on you. Because, like, you know, Verve Clicquot is Lady Day. Like, they were the beginning, the women yeah. of, the, of the Champagne House. They were the founders. And yes. yeah, she's, yeah. she sounds great, yeah. Well, you're going to have and so I mean, much fun experiencing all of that as soon as you get there. I really, 
Well, Natalie, as you know, there are a few questions that we always ask on the Little Bells Francophiles, and I considered that this being the beginning of a new series that I might do away with these questions now, but feedback from the Little Bells Francophiles listeners is that they love to hear these answers, so we will continue on with them. So firstly, can you describe for me your perfect French day? Perfect French day. Well, I have heard you ask these questions, so I was thinking about it, and Mine is pretty classic, but I have to go back to a morning in that uh, village, in that little stone cottage where I got up to have my coffee in the morning. It was May, so it was a little bit brisk, and I sat there next to the fig tree and the peach tree, and there was a spider web there covered in dew, and I'm thinking, oh, my goodness, this is so lovely. And then next minute I heard some puppy dogs barking, and next minute this beautiful deer just bounds out of the forest, you know, comes oh. towards me and looks at me as if to say, where should I hide? And then, <laughs> <laughs> took off and you know so I sat there just flabbergasted going oh my goodness this is just it's just so amazing these little oh, things and so yes. then you, you know then you do head to the markets and then you plan the menu and you know we had the beautiful produce fresh duck because you know that's where all the duck is and yes. foie gras and, and then you know the little lovely neighbor the Italian man he, we invited him to come for dinner because you sort of get to know everyone that little area and he turns up with his little peach tart that he'd made and you just go oh my goodness he's got a little bottle of wine under his arm and he's got the peach tart and he's all dressed nicely and we've got the table set in the, in the garden and then he invites us back to his house at the end of the evening and He's got like walnut schnapps, you know, like yes. little, all that he's made and, the, and it's his mother, grandmother's pots that he's got there that are 100 years <gasps> old. And so oh. you're sitting there immersed in this little cottage and it's just to me, it's just so special. And, yeah, I think they're the days that I think in France are just rolling. And from, it is, it's around the food and the people and the, the yeah. connections that you're making. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that would that, be me. That does sound <laughs> perfect. That's just lovely. I really hope that you can experience that day again sometime very soon, actually. Although it's Thank very goodness. hard to recreate. You can't force those things. They just happen, Not don't that they? Little deer, no, and there'll be several other lovely ones too. Yeah. yeah. The next question we always ask on the Little Bells Francophiles is, what is your fave food to order the minute you're back on French soil or perhaps even to cook at home? So as being a chef and mm. cooking and cooking, I think duck is always mugger de canard. Yes. But with a cherry sauce, and Dijon mustard, and I often use the Bon Mama jam for my sauce. Mm-hmm. So it's that real salty sweet and I usually do an absolute classic potato puree. So oh, yeah. you beat the potato with the butter in it and then you add the cream. So it's a bit softer than mashed potato and then some steamed greens of come kind or a little mini mescaline salad on the side. So that's probably the pinnacle of my foods. That sounds beautiful. That whipped potato (laughs) rather than mashed potato is very different, isn't it? It's the difference between a potato in France and potato in Ireland. They're very and different. And watch Gulam Brahimi anytime mm. making his potato puree and it's, you know, I use the KitchenAid with the beater to make mm. my mashed potato so it's really creamy and, and mashed in together. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. Have you got a recipe for that that you use? I definitely do, yes, I definitely do. Well, we um, might pop that on the website, I think, if, I'll, if that's I'll all right. Whip that up for you, yes. Oh, and it's, yes, there's several different ways, but I'll do a classic one that's really fun for everyone to make. Gorgeous, easy. gorgeous. Now, Natalie, I have compiled a fairly lengthy now, Lula Bell's Francophiles Frenchy Spotify playlist. Do you listen to French music? Always, daily. <laughs> and do you have Every a fave that I could add to our playlist? Uh, yes, I do, and I think she probably is Madeleine Peru. I hope I'm saying ah, her name correctly. Peru, right. and 
Yes, I've mentioned she's actually an American jazz singer, um, but her forte came, yeah, she began on the on the streets of Paris as a teenager playing oh. vintage um, jazz and, and that's where she began her career and so she was singing in French and, and then led to, yeah, so. And is there a particular she, song of hers that we should put on there? Uh, yes, Je Deux Amour. <laughs> Not very good my pronunciation. Je Deux Amour. I have okay, your print is very good. <laughs> um, well, we will add that to the Little Bell's Francophile Frenchie Spotify playlist and the Delicious. link for that can be found in the show notes for today's episode or on the Little Bell's Francophile's website. So merci for spending this time with us today, Natalie, and telling us all about your amazing journey that you've already been on so far as well as the next chapter just beginning. I'm really excited to see where this goes for you. It sounds brilliant. I, know, I can't wait. <laughs> Would you come back Very and chat fun. to us again later in the year to let us know how you're going? Absolutely, absolutely. Hopefully it's all going really well by then. I have some uh, courses up and running that people can have a look if they'd like to come and join me. Oh, yeah, that sounds fabulous. Well, merci again, lovely Natalie Muller. Alors, c'est tout et c'est la fin aujourd'hui. That is all for another Little Bells Francophiles episode. I hope you're enjoying being transported to France via our podcast chats with some brilliant guests and their French stories. To be notified when new episodes are released, subscribe on your favourite podcast platform or follow Little Bells Francophiles on Insta. That's where you'll also find lots of my personal French photos as well as some from our Little Bells Francophiles guests. You can now also subscribe to my YouTube channel, The Francophile Fix, where I'll post little movies and clips to keep your Frenchy vibes going. For all of the links from today's chat, including the links to follow Natalie in her new venture, as well as her fave music and reset, head to the Little Bells Francophile's website to blog post number 89. That's Catravant Neuf. The website link is in the show notes for today's episode as well. And come and join me next time on the Little Bells Francophiles and together we can stay connected to one of our fave destinations, France. Au revoir and merci encore, Natalie. Merci, au revoir. And au revoir de moi, Louise Prichard. Bonne journée et à bientôt, mes amis.